You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are Nicole Ackman's interviews with the writer for Downton Abbey A New Era, Julian Fellows, and the stars, Laura Carmichael and Alan Leach. Have you told them, Lady Grantham? She's told us nothing. Do sit down. I've come into possession of a villa in the south of France. What villa? Start at the beginning. Years ago, before you were born, I met a man. They spend a few days together and he gives her a house. You never thought to turn it down? Do I look as if I'd turned down a villa in the south of France? A telephone call for you, my lord. Mr. Barber is a producer and director. He wants to make a film at Downton. A moving picture at Downton. But the big stars, famous ones. I think it's a horrible idea. Actresses plastered in makeup and actors just Plastered. There is something about him, like a wild animal ready to spring. Ready to spring on you, you mean? Action! Cut! Cut! Sorry. The modern world comes to Downton. Why do you think he gave you the villa? That is where the mystery resides. Then we're off to the Riviera. And with any luck, we'd miss the whole of Mary's frightful film. I do hope that was a prop. You steer ahead. You're the captain now. They better be warned. The British are coming. Hi, thank you so much for chatting with me today. No, it's nice of you to ask me. Thank you. Of course. Well, first of all, I want to say I've been a fan of Downton since the very beginning, and I think that this film is the perfect continuation to the series. Oh, nice of you. Thank you. (laughs) I was wondering, what did it feel like to, you know, return to the world of Downton Abbey after having been away from it and worked on another project? Um, well, I always had that to a to an extent, you know. I would write the year, and then I would try and fit something in, um, uh, whatever it was, School of Rock or something, so that I had preferably contrasting things. Um, that you know, I'm, I'm fond of them all now. Uh, it, well, I'm fond of the actors too, but I'm fond of the characters, and we've been down such a journey with all of them, uh, and and so I'm always quite pleased to find out how they're getting on, you know, and what's happened to them lately. Uh, and and um, so I'm happy. But uh, as for whether uh, there'll be another film, which I'm sure you're going to ask me at some stage, um, I, I never know. I've said goodbye to these characters four or five times, uh, and back they've come. And, you know, if this is the end, and this is the last, last of them, then I think it's a fitting end. I I like the film. I think it's turned out well, and I think they're all jolly good in it. Uh, And if it's not the end and we go on somewhere else, that's good too. So um, I'm quite sort of flexible about that, really. (laughs) Well, I was really impressed with how well the first film flows into this new movie. And I was wondering, whenever you, you know, were making the first movie, did you have any thoughts about sort of where you'd like to see these characters end up later down the road that you were able to incorporate into this one? Yes, I mean, I think I always feel with something like a series or, or a, a continuous films, you, I, I imagine, probably wrongly in many cases, but I imagine that people will watch the last one before they go and see the new one, just to sort of remind themselves of where everything was and who was doing what. And so it is conscious that I want the new one not to be disappointing. You know, I want it 
to build on, the, on whatever's gone before. Uh, and so they can, they can feel comfortable uh, in watching it and hopefully uh, enjoying it. I mean, I think to some extent you leave things up in the air in case there are going to be more episodes. But uh, to, to a big degree, things are up in the air unless you're dead. Because all our lives, you know, keep going with incidents, good and bad, uh, things that turn out as we wanted, things that turn out as we didn't want. Uh, they, they just keep happening to all of us. Uh, and it's only, you know, uh, extreme old age and death that brings a conclusion. So I don't think one has to struggle to continue with the individual characters' stories any more than you would struggle to continue with friends of yours' lives. You know, if you haven't seen them for a couple of years, the first thing you want to talk about is what have they been up to? What have they been doing? Where are they now? How are the children? You know, is your mother still with us? And all that stuff that um, uh, it comes when you when you meet friends after a gap. And, and I think it's much the same with running characters, really. Speaking of these characters, was there anything that you got to do in this movie that maybe you've always wanted to do with a character or just something that you were very personally excited to see happen for one of them in this film? I, I love, it was originally Gareth Nemo who had the idea of uh, the film going to France, to, you know, to, to take some of them to France. Um, that I, I loved it when I was doing it. I thought uh, it was fun to take them away from their uh, safety zone, if you like, because one of the things uh, that I think is very hard to travel with is your status. Uh, you know, it, it, once people start saying, do you know who I am? They have no status. You must say, this is a sentence no human being should ever speak. Uh, and and because if, if they do know who you are, they'll show it. And if they don't know who you are, for heaven's sake, don't say it. So, um, uh, and I thought that was a bit testing for Robert and, and things to go away from his safe pediment. And then, of course, uh, in his case, put him through the mill of it emotionally uh, for not one but two of the stories. Uh, and so... Um, uh, that I felt was uh, suitable and suited to being away from Danton, away from all his safety places, uh, that, that, that his whole life was being shaken. Um, and so I suppose that uh, I enjoyed. But I also, uh, I'm very interested in the whole history of the movies anyway. And, and uh, again, Gareth had been talking about his grandfather, Ronald Neem, who actually would go on to be a very successful figure in film. But uh, this is years before when he was, you know, a grip and a, a very young man just starting out. He was in a picture being directed by a very young Alfred Hitchcock uh, called Blackmail in 1928. Uh, and exactly that happened. They had to switch in the middle. Uh, and he was talking about it and how uh, you know, the leading lady couldn't speak English, but she was Eastern European. And, and, and they would had to have another actress standing there doing her voice. And as he was talking about it, I thought, well, this is just what I want, because I wanted a plot that would bring the 20th century quite aggressively into the house so that they couldn't 
sort of wrap it up and tie it with ribbon and make it safe. They've had to address the fact that this is the 20th century. And that was what that plot gave me, or I felt it gave me. And, um, and it could involve Mary. Uh, and, and also it would be another because Mary's character narrative is that we are gradually seeing her taking control, yes, and taking over, but also developing as a character who will be able to deal with the changes that the 20th century will bring. And we see in her relationship with the producer director and um, in her general, the way she comports herself when she's there. And he says, so we do this for Lady Mary. And she says, Mary, please. Mm-hmm. And, and you understand that she is coming to terms with the fact that the world of her grandmother is receding and she is going to live in a different place. And all of that I thought would be interesting for Michelle to play, which I think she does very well, uh, and would take us to a different place by the end of the film where, uh, you know, she is, as Carson says, ready to take on more responsibility. So in many different ways, it all sort of fitted in with what I wanted to show, what we wanted. I, I also think there's something so interesting and really rather meta about you know, us seeing a movie be filmed at Downton Abbey when obviously you all have been filming Downton at Highclere Castle for so many years now. Was there anything sort of from the experience of Downton being filmed at Highclere that you were able to sort of bring into the plot of the movie? Well, I I was absolutely convinced that Highclere was the right house for us from long before. I tried to get it for two earlier projects. So Downton was my third time lucky. Um, and I, I had a sense that because it's a very sculptural shape, those towers that set, you know, and the, the carving on, the, on each facade and the coats of arms in the hall and everything, is all making a kind of aristocratic statement, which is in the context of what's happening to those families at that time. It's, it's kind of ironic. Uh, and I knew it would be perfect. But when we started to make the show, uh, I realized it was more perfect than I'd understood it, that it was more a, a, an extraordinary singular shape, a kind of um, a, a kind of motif, a, 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 a crest of it of itself, that uh, it would become this very powerful character. And I think if the films have both explored that and exploited it really and got this, absolutely maximum value out of the power of the house uh, that is making all these human beings do what the house wants. Uh, and, and I hope there's a sense of that in this film. There certainly should be. Absolutely. I also was wondering, there's obviously this film has a very emotional conclusion. And what made you sort of decide that you wanted to end this film that way? Was it, you know, obviously the film's titled A New Era. So was it sort of supposed to be recognizing sort of a closing of a chapter? Yes. I mean, there are lots of different reasons why it felt right and and uh, and, and time. I, I never really like to talk about that in any detail in an interview, uh, just in case someone hasn't read it on the internet. But um, 
it, it just felt right. I knew uh, that the cast would deliver it because I knew that by definition, it was going to be the core cast uh, uh, who'd been with us for so long. And, um, and I knew that they would give it maximum value, you know, uh, and, uh, and they did. And I, you know, I think all of them uh, are splendid in it. It just felt right, really, and it felt right emotionally, uh, but also to end on, on a slightly optimistic note. So that's not the very end. Then you just have this slight reminder that life goes on. And, and that seemed right too, really. I also wanted to say, I know that there are several couples now within the cast of Downton Abbey. And I thought that the moment that we get to see between Jim Carter and Imelda Staunton was so fun in this film. It was so lovely to get to see them together. Yes, that was fun. That was a sort of in-joke, really. But I think it's an in-joke that the audience can share. Um, of course, it's, you know, when you get... Uh, Imelda arriving or Simon arriving to direct or whatever. Um, I, I think what makes it easier uh, for them is they're already really part of the sort of Downton family and have been for years. You know, they've been living with it and uh, going off to the premieres and the cast parties and the this and that and the other to say nothing of their spouses complaining of the scripts uh, and, and all the rest of it. Uh, and so I think it's rather a nice feeling when they're included in the end product, really. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I can't wait for everyone else to see this. And I'm going on opening night with my mom. So very oh, much good. looking forward to seeing it again. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, that's nice. So I'll see you there. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Bye. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Coming up on 5-Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> Welcome to the Villa of the Doves. It's a beautiful place. How happy you must be. Oh, my goodness. Who is she? The Lady Grantham I first went to work for. Granny! Why did you invite us here? I don't 
doesn't look good for Papa if she felt the need to keep it a secret. There's trouble in paradise. You don't need me to tell you that marriage is a novel full of plot twists along the way. Women like us fall into two categories, dragons and fools. You must make sure they think of you as a dragon. But with that, I will say goodnight and leave you to discuss my mysterious past. It seems the public only want films that talk. I should have thought the best thing about films is that you can't hear them. It'd be even better if you couldn't see them either. <laughs> Hi, first of all, thank you so much for talking to me today. So I wanted to know, when you first found out that you were going to be returning for, you know, a second Downton Abbey film, what was your first reaction? Joy. Yeah. Delighted to know that we were all going to get back together, get the gang back together. Yeah, we were super excited and we knew about it through 2020, I keep saying this, but I feel like it, it kept me going through those dark months. I'm not sure what we're going to do next, but to know that um, we would be getting back together for another week. Awesome. And... You know, both of your characters have really undergone huge transformations over the course of the show and now the two films. And I've loved getting to see everything that, you know, Edith and Tom have both gone through. What has surprised you the most about where your character has ended up? Well, that's good. I mean, yeah, I think you're right. They both have changed probably the most out of all of the characters in the show. Um, I'm just so pleased that Edith, you know, found found a sort of happiness in herself, which then meant that she could, you know, great relationship with Bertie. But I think that's the thing, she really found her confidence and the sort of softer side to her. It made her nicer as she discovered her sort of place in the world that she could do things and have a bit of control, which I think is really cool. The thing that surprised me most is the fact that we were still in it after Sybil died. <laughs> um, I generally thought that that was me out, okay. I even had yeah. a bet with Jess Brown Finley that I lost and she hadn't paid. But I really, I was just surprised that, and, and obviously delighted and very grateful that Julian kept Tom in the story and gave him that wonderful struggle to try and, you know, find himself a bit, as you say, a bit like uh, Edith had to find herself. They've both been victims of, of circumstance and, and some bad luck. And I think that's why they both kind of respect each other so much and, and they're, 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 I suppose they're, they became confidants to each other mm. as well at certain points. So, yeah, I'm, I was delighted and I think most surprised, as I say, about the, the great storyline that Julian gave me. Mm. In Don't Now Be a New Era, both Edith and Tom get to travel to France to the you know villa that uh, Violet has inherited. What was it like to get to travel to a new location with these characters? It was amazing. We felt very, very lucky. Um, it's it's the most beautiful place, and uh, yeah, it didn't really feel like work. No. <laughs> and it's also just great to open up the world of Downton, you know, move away from the house and the place that everyone associates these characters with, mm. and show them in a in a in a brand new place in a new part of the world. And what better place than the French Riviera? Mm. So speaking of sort of new opportunities with this film, you also were working with a director who hadn't really worked with Downton before, Simon Curtis. What was it like getting to sort of bring him on board to the whole Downton family? He's kind of been part of the family anyway, yeah. because he's married to Elizabeth McGovern, plays Cora. So he's always been there. And, and in that way, he understood us as actors and our characters so well. So it was fantastic and I really loved working with him. Absolutely, he really understands the show in a way that, 
yeah, I think being naturalist was he's known it and we've been a fan of it for so many years. So he came with so much um, knowledge and then he's just a fantastic director. We were so lucky to get him. And I think he, there's moments I feel like are just so sunken. And, yeah. and I think people will go cover. It's great what he's done with I also was wondering, so obviously this film is called Downton Abbey, A New Era, but what modern 21st century invention do you think would be most exciting to your character? Branson would be the electric car. With motors and being a chauffeur, I, I'd go with that. Yeah, I think her really just would be like attached to a cell phone. Like so speaking of Edith, you know, a lot of sort of her arc in this film is about the fact that she is a mother and a wife, but she also is still really drawn to her work. What is it like for you to, you know, play a character who's going through that as someone who also sort of is being a career woman and balancing that with your personal life? I mean, yeah, it did feel um, very meta or something, but uh, <laughs> like trying to get back to work, I'm just like, hey, but I, I loved it. I think it's a storyline that lots of people will relate to for that reason. Um, and yes, striving to be as cool about it as he was possible. <laughs> Speaking of meta, I think there's also a very meta aspect about this film in terms of, you know, a uh, movie is being filmed at Downton Abbey. Meanwhile, a movie is being filmed at Highclere Castle. Did you feel like you were kind of seeing the experiences of coming into Highclere Castle then reflected in this film? Yes, I certainly yeah. think that, uh, that the staff would feel the same about, about how people respect the <laughs> furniture. And... <laughs> The various things I love that line when the, the the vase gets smashed and it's like I do hope that was a prop. Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure Lord and Lady Carnarvon will relate to this film most of the story. <laughs> and I was also wondering, um, you know, obviously Downton Abbey has meant so much to a lot of fans, and it's it's been around with them for so long. But what has it meant to you personally to be a part of it? I mean, we're just the luckiest guy. I think we're so aware of that to, to be doing a job that you love and that is loved by audiences. It's, it's such a gift. Um, yeah, I think we all feel that way. We know that it's a unique experience. And it's not just the opportunity of working on the job, it's also what has afforded us in our own careers and in our lives and great opportunities and experiences that without Downton that we would have had. So yeah. it's, it's given us so much. And, and I'm so glad that the fans are still there and there seems to be such an appetite for these characters and for these stories. So just a great privilege. Other than your own storylines that you're involved with, obviously, do you have a favorite storyline in the new film? Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I love the, the film within a film. I love watching Mosley um, find his way into the movie business. Yeah. <laughs> uh, always a joy to watch what Kevin does. Yeah, and I'm going to go with uh, Thomas Barrow's storyline. That's, I really love that, and I love how those scenes were played, and mm -hmm. there's a great tenderness in, in Rob's performance in this, which is really good. So, like we've sort of mentioned already, you've obviously been with the series for a long time, but what is it like doing these films and once again getting to sort of bring new people into the cast? It's, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, it's, it's always, it's so nice to welcome in new people. 
you do have that feeling of like, this is a really nice game. We're going to have loads of fun. Yeah. Um, and they all start seeing that up so perfectly. I feel like we feel like they've been in the show forever. Mm. It's always been a really welcoming place as well. I think that everyone's experienced that. Lily always, Lily James always says that she couldn't believe how lovely everyone was for the minute she arrived. So it's, yeah, as you say, it's really, really exciting to bring people along on this journey. And uh, and obviously the cast that we got were, were fantastic. I mean, Hugh and Dom, uh, Dom, Dominic and uh, Laura Haddock as well. Not to mention um, Natalie Baye yeah. and um, Jonathan Sakai. You know, it, it was really, really lovely. And, you know, obviously we don't know if there's going to be a third film yet or anything, but do you have thoughts on sort of where you see Tom and Edith's storylines, you know, would go in the future? Yeah, well, we've had a great time here writing, making up a story. Yeah. Writing <laughs> we've got a first draft. We've got a first draft in our heads. <laughs> lines yeah. involving New York, Wall yeah, Street we, crash. We think, you know, we're not, we're pre-Wall Street crash. Yeah. Um, but you know, wouldn't that be amazing to show that? And you know, Cora's family are obviously all based over here. Bring back Shane the Play, yeah. They're a big American side of the fan. Awesome. And you know, whenever you are returning to these characters, is there something that in this film you felt like you got to do with them that you've not gotten to do before? The set of France gave our characters a chance to kind of drop their shoulders a little bit and, and be more relaxed, which is nice. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think you do see a different side to all of the, the cast from there on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so obviously you just mentioned that you would love to see these characters go to New York City, but I was going to ask, is there, you know, another place that you would love to get to see the Crawleys sort of get to go to like they go to France in this film? They should go to Ireland. It's been a long time since Tom's been home. Yeah. I think he's been forgiven now. Yeah. We should go and go to Skibbereen or somewhere yeah. on the, the West Coast or around Cork. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, if not, maybe just put them somewhere on a cruise going. I mean, go everywhere. Go everywhere. Mm-hmm. That would feel quite Agatha Christie. A bit yeah. definitely not. <laughs> Murder mystery Downton Abbey style. <laughs> yeah. Murder mystery. Like, Awesome. You know, like I said, obviously you were working with a new director on this movie, but, um, you know, what is it like to sort of be uh, doing this cinematically, whereas before you obviously spent so long working on it as a television series, what are sort of some of the differences between working on it as a film versus a series? I mean, so much of it is the same and, you know, in the same, a lot of the same locations with the same people, but you have more time and and yeah, I guess the luxury of time then also everything is bigger and grander. I think knowing that you're making it for the big screen means that obviously, although Downton I always feel shot in a kind of cinematic way, mm-hmm. but Andrew Dunn, our uh, cinematographer, was absolutely incredible in, in, in the shots that he's, he chose to do. And he actually used a cinematic lens, an anamorphic lens that was used to Ben Hur. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and uh, but he just he just had this uh, amazing vision for what it looks like on on the big screen, and that's mm-hmm. that's what it just changes kind of the shot choices and and um, and as you said, time is a huge factor because then you have the time to take to take the time yeah to set up those shots. 
Awesome. Well, to end, I just wanted to ask, and I'm sure you've been asked this before over the course of playing these characters, but is there anything that particularly with, you know, where they've gone now that you feel like you've learned from, uh, from these characters that you're playing? I, th I think it, for me, playing like a lady, someone with a title, you have to sort of embody a certain amount of confidence and I own this real kind of attitude, which I don't feel like I have in my real life. So every now and then I'm like, you know that you can play that. Be more Edith if you need to come in that room. Like, it's in you. Yeah, I think uh, you learn a lot from any character you play, but uh, from Tom, I suppose I, I love to hear the great line says, I don't believe in types, I believe in people. And I think that's a lovely sentiment. And yeah, he's, he's a very kind character. Yeah. So I learned more kindness from him. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. I obviously love seeing the film already, but I'm excited. I have tickets to go to the theater on a opening night with my mom. So we can't wait to see it together. <laughs> oh, that's great. Tell your mom we said hi. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, both of you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Nicole Ackman's interviews with the writer for Downton Abbey, A New Era, Julian Fellows, and two of its stars, Laura Carmichael and Alan Leach, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Downton Abbey, A New Era is currently playing in theaters from Focus Features. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.